Welcome to Lasting Truth, a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel, Sweet Hills in Banning, California, where Pastor Ryan Hussein teaches the entire Word of God, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, giving our listeners the opportunity of receiving the full counsel of God. Today we are studying in the book of Acts, chapter 18. Here's Pastor Ryan. So in Acts chapter 18, are we all there? Verse 24. Let's pray. Father, we thank you again this morning for your goodness in our life, Lord. You are the Holy One of Israel, the maker of heaven and earth. You created it all. Lord Jesus, all things were created through you, by you. And you uphold all things by the word of your power. And we're here this morning, Lord, to study your word, to open it up. And we ask that our hearts would be open, that our spirit would connect with yours and that we would receive from you instruction lord give us humble hearts to receive from you lord you say in your word that it is the humble that you lead it is the humble that you teach and so lord help us to get beyond ourselves to be humble before you and speak to us as we study your word pour out your grace this morning lord holy spirit move powerfully this morning as we study May it be all of you and none of me. In Jesus' name we pray and together we say, Amen. So Paul the Apostle in our story has gone out for his third missionary journey. And this time the Lord is allowing Paul to go into Asia, the area of Asia Minor, Galatia, and Ephesus he'll be going to. But it is a beautiful exciting time in the book of acts i think the whole the whole book is exciting but after you know two missionary journeys it's exciting to see here in his third missionary journey how he's going back to the to the churches that were planted because of his preaching in his previous missionary journeys and so god is working powerfully really in the area of asia minor modern day turkey also in Acacia or Acacia, which is Greece, the Lord is is drawing many people to Him, and in the ancient world there, with the Roman Empire really controlling civilization at that time, really the the power of the world, the population was very idolatrous. The population in Greece and in Turkey, it, it, they were idol worshipers to say the least but yet in that time like in the times we're living in today because people haven't changed mankind is searching mankind is empty and those idols are not fulfilling them and so the lord has sent his apostle out and many are coming to know jesus christ it's an exciting time and so paul's going to be going into these areas strengthening the converts that he had made previously and the converts that are being made because you know even though paul went back to jerusalem went back to antioch the holy spirit is doing his thing and the word of god is still spreading and so when he comes back to those areas it's different can you imagine how different it it would be for paul on his third missionary journey because he's seeing he's going to see the fruit of his work and so it's a real exciting time god is moving 
but also God is still moving today. And that's a beautiful thing about Christianity, that we are Jesus' followers. Yesterday's topic was Colossians 1.27, Christ within us, the hope of glory. To think that God resides in us is one of the most greatest privileges and amazing things in the reality of the Christian's life. That when we believe on Jesus Christ and what he has done on the cross, when we accept him as our Lord and Savior, God dwells in us. That's crazy. And Paul would say to the church at Colossae that it's a mystery that the world can, you know, had always thought about. The world had always wondered, how can man have a relationship with God? How can a sinful man have relationship with, with God? And in these days, in the days of the book of Acts, God has shown it to his saints, Christ within us, the hope of glory. That God would dwell in Gentiles and Jews alike and anyone who would have faith in Jesus Christ. God lives in us, guiding us, strengthening us, encouraging us. He is the fuel behind our faith. And so, as it is exciting in the book of Acts, he's still moving today. And I think the closer we abide in Christ, the more fervency, the more passion, the more hope, the more faith, the the more likely it is that we're going to share our faith and the more likely it is that others are going to see our faith. And in the book of Acts, that's how they were living. They were on fire for the Lord. And so I believe that God is on the move in our church. And I just want to encourage all of you that I'm encouraged by your fervency. I'm encouraged by the way you sing, the way you clap, the way you love, the way you come, the way you bear with 45 minutes to an hour of hearing the word of God. It's just uh, a miracle. But anyways, in Acts 18, verse 24, we read, Now a certain Jew named Apollos, born at Alexandria, an eloquent man and mighty in scriptures, came to Ephesus. This man had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in spirit, he spoke and taught accurately the things of the Lord, though he knew only the baptism of John. And so we are introduced to really a famous character in the book of Acts, Apollos. He has a cool name. It's a Greek name, but he's a Jewish fella who was born in Alexandria. Alexandria is that famous northern uh, city in Egypt, on the coast of, the, of Egypt, on the north coast of Egypt. And it's a famous city in the ancient world. It was established by Alexander the Great. It was a very cosmopolitan church with a huge population of Egyptians, of Romans, of Greeks, and about a quarter of the population was Jewish. And so this man, Apollos, this this preacher here, he came from a very cosmopolitan town. And, and in Alexandria, that ancient library was there. That was one of the 
the, the great libraries of the ancient world. So it was a very sophisticated, learned place. And, and this is where he came from. It was actually in Alexandria that the Septuagint was, was first created. And the Septuagint is the translation of the Hebrew scriptures into Greek. It took place there by 70 to 72 Jewish writers, translators, and Septuagint means 70. So the very first time that the Torah was translated into Greek, into the Greek language, was in Alexandria. And this is where Apollos was from. And so we read that Apollo was born in Alexandria and that he was an eloquent man and mighty in scriptures. So Bible says not many wise are called, but apparently God didn't say no wise are called. And so here's this guy who's very learned and very eloquent that God is using very powerfully. And it says here that... He was a man who was mighty in the scriptures. And oh, how important it is for us to be a people that know our scriptures. He only had the Old Testament. We have the whole book. And I believe that, you know, mighty is a, is a you know, is a high reach. But I do believe that if we're going to be Christians that are, bold Christians that are confident Christians that are strong in the spirit we are going to have to be Christians that study our Bibles we need to study our Bibles and we need to study them every single day of our life I mean that's the calling that we have that is the command from God that we would abide in his word Jesus said in John eight thirty one, if you abide in my word you are my disciples indeed there's you know really few things that we can mention that that are best for you as a Christian and 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 the study of God's word the daily intake of it the meditation of it I mean that is where we gather so much of our strength that is where our our faith our walk our stability this is key to it so please study your scriptures if you're here today and you did not open the bible this morning i want to encourage you next uh, wednesday or sunday make sure you don't even come here until you've opened up the scriptures yourself okay we have to be built up in the word if not we become weak we become weak when jesus was tempted by the devil in the desert 40 days, 40 nights. Remember, he always combated the temptation with the word of God. And I think that there are many Christians who do terrible with temptation, do terrible with with trials and attacks because they're not studying the word of God. You have to put bookmarkers in the book and and, and study it or get a good study Bible. I have these little posties that I use for bookmarkers and I have four of them. It's important that you read the scriptures so that it's not just Apollos who is mighty in scripture, but the people at Sweet Hills. There are people mighty in the scriptures. And any one of us can become that because look at me, I have the, you know, Los Angeles School District education and, you know, I study the word. I study it. I understand it. And God helps us to understand it as we ask him for understanding. Lord, help me. He's our rabbi. He's our teacher. And the Holy Spirit guides us into all truth, which is in you. If you are a believer, you have the Holy Spirit in you. 
So it's time to ask him to help you to understand it. It's time to ask him for diligence to read it. He was mighty in scripture. In Colossians 3.16, it says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15, it says, Be diligent to present yourself or to study study and to be approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. He was an eloquent man, mighty in scriptures, and he came to Ephesus. This man had been instructed in the way of the Lord and being fervent in, in spirit, he spoke and taught accurately the things of the Lord, though he knew only the baptism of John. And so we also read that one of the characteristics of his walk was that he was fervent in, fervent in spirit. The word fervent, it means hot. It means, you know, hot, like fire, hot, fervent. But it also means to be earnest. It also means to be animated. It also means to be glowing as a fervent zeal or, or fervent uh, piety. And so he was on fire, as we say in the Christian uh, language, right? Apollos was on fire, now, how does that apply to us today? Can we be on fire for the Lord? Yes. And we can also be cold, right? And we can also be lukewarm. But I want to be on fire for the Lord, don't you? Isn't being on fire for the Lord one of the characteristics of the early church? They were on fire. They were on fire. And I think that one of the characteristics of being on fire is that we're sharing our faith with others. If I'm on fire, then I'm excited about what, what God has to say and do through me. And thus, I'm going to share it with other people. I think it's a good gauge. I think everyone in the book of Acts seems to be inviting somebody to come hear the words of Jesus Christ, the gospel. They're just inviting. And I think we need to be inviting people. I think that, it, that but that comes from a place of being on fire for the Lord. How do we get on fire? I don't know. But the word knows. In Romans 12, verses 9 through 11, Paul says, Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. He's speaking of Christian behavior. This is how Christians should act, right? Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love. In honor, giving preference to one another. Not lagging in diligence fervent in spirit serving the lord so he, he the lord through paul commands us to be fervent in spirit we're commanded to be on fire i think of the two apostles or the two disciples at the road to emmaus and how they said as the lord appeared to them after his resurrection did our hearts not burn within us while he opened the scriptures to us and I think that's where it should stem from, from just the study of God's word, the meditating on his scriptures, the, the prayers that, uh, that are combined with our study. As we study, we're praying, we're asking God to speak to us. We're asking God to show us things in his word. We're asking God that we would love him more than anything. It's a, when, we, when I study, I'm also praying and talking to the Lord and asking him to teach me and that I would love what I'm hearing. And that creates a fire in me. Like Je Jeremiah says, you know, I try to hold back from sharing his word 
from preaching, but it became fire in my bones. So we become on fire through this. The lack of this, we grow cold. And some people want to be cold. Some people want to be lukewarm because their love for the Lord isn't where it needs to be. And we need to get to the foot of the cross and say, Lord, we, I desire you to be everything in my life, in my heart. Above all loves, you be the center. You be the preeminence. You be the supremacy in my life, Lord. To be on fire. And that, you know, God wants us all to burn with fire for him. They say that if, if you're on fire, people will drive for miles to watch you burn. And that's what we want at Sweet Hills. I want to be on fire. You want to be on fire. Let's be on fire. In our private spaces. The Lord says, if you seek the Father in private and your, your Father in heaven who sees you in private will reward you openly. You know, it's not about a drumming up energy or excitement, like manufacturing it. It's something that comes from a quiet place with the Lord. It's like Moses coming down the mountain just glowing because he had spent time with the Lord. And he covered his head because it was a diminishing glow. But Paul the Apostle would say, but we with unveiled faces are beholding him from glory to glory. Because what the, old, what the, what the law could not do through Moses, the glory of God is getting brighter and brighter or should be because we are with unveiled face beholding as in a mirror God who then reflects to the world. Glory to glory. The, the, it doesn't diminish the way it did with Moses because we have God in us. Where the Old Testament prophets, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and, you know what I mean? But wasn't within them until later, till after Jesus died and was resurrected. So you and I have the Lord in us. So that glory should be reflecting to the rest of the world. If it's not, then, then our eyes are not good. And Jesus said about our eyes, right? If your eye is good, your eyes are the light of the body. If your eyes are good, then, then light will come in. And if your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of that light. But there's the darkness of self, selfishness that dims that mirror. We need some Holy Spirit Windex. Eyes off the world, eyes onto heaven, onto our Lord, reflecting him. Jesus told Peter, you're mindful of the things of earth, not mindful of the things of heaven. This world dims our mirror, our reflection of the Lord. Fervent means earnest, excited, animated, glowing as in fervency. That doesn't mean that Christians should be like, oh, hallelujah, you know, on, on level five, every time, every day, every moment. We have hard times, right? We have hard days where we're speaking to our soul. Oh, soul, bless the Lord, oh, my soul. Why are you so downcasted? You know, it, it's, but generally, we should be on fire. Generally, right? And when you have a bad day, I pick you up. When I have a bad day, you pick me up. We pick each other up, right? But generally, we should be on fire. If we're not, something's wrong with our connection. It's a bad line. 
And so he was fervent in spirit. He spoke and taught accurately the things of the Lord, though he knew only of the baptism of John. Now, the baptism of John, when John was baptizing people in the Jordan, it was a baptism towards repentance in preparation for the Messiah, Jesus Christ. It was a preparing type baptism for the Messiah. Messiah is not here, but he's coming in whose sandal straps I am now worthy to unloose. Repent. Remember, he said to all who came out and he said it to everybody. Repent, repent. He's coming. The kingdom of God is at hand. The axe is at the is laid at the root of the tree. Repent. He told everybody. He wasn't pulling punches like so many churches do today. They want to just give fluffy messages. He was telling them repent. But that baptism, people were saying, okay, what must we do? The soldiers were saying, what must we do? The tax collectors were saying, what must we do? The Pharisees, what must we do? And he says, repent. That was just in preparation. So that's all that Apollos knew. He was preaching accurately, but he only had the baptism of John. He only went up to there. And so, the baptism of Jesus Christ, the one that Christians are commanded to be baptized, not for salvation. Don't get married. It's not for salvation. It's to show the world what has taken place within our heart. That we have given our lives to Jesus Christ. And baptism is the union of us with his death, his burial, and his resurrection. So Apollos, Apollos isn't preaching that. But he is getting down in his own way. So he began to speak boldly in the synagogue. And when Aquila and Priscilla heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. And when he desired to cross to Achaia, the brethren wrote, exhorting the disciples to receive him. Here we, we see Achilla and Priscilla. Remember, Paul left them there in Ephesus, and there they are, and they hear this preacher, Apollos, you know, preaching, but he needed further instruction. And they took him aside to give him those instructions. And it's a good reminder that, and Apollos, by the way, was humble enough to receive those instructions. It's good when corrections have to be made to someone in our lives practically or, in, or further instructions that we take the person aside like Achilla and Priscilla did with Apollos. They took him aside. You know, they didn't make the corrections in front of everyone so that he would be embarrassed. Amen? And so it's good to do that. And it's good in a practical sense to, to take a, a brother or sister or a family member, whenever correction needs to be made, or maybe an employee, or whoever you may have influence or authority over, to be very kind and respectful when, in furthering, when, when you're instructing someone further. Because nobody likes to be chewed out in front of people, right? But, is that necessarily over, uh, always the case? No, it's not always the case. There, It comes a time for open correction. The Bible says that open rebuke is better than love carefully concealed. So there comes a time when open correction is really required. But we have to use discernment 
by the Holy Spirit on when to do so. I think that whatever the issue is affects those who have witnessed it or heard it. If it affects them, if it can mislead them, something that's said, something that's done, then I think it's, in, it's, it's proper in those cases to still make the correction lovingly, but, you know, but to do it openly so that those who may get affected negatively will not be affected negatively. Does that make sense to you? But yeah, so they pull them aside and they, they dealt with them. Oh, I pray we deal with our children kindly, raising them up in the training and admonishment of the Lord. It's big in my heart because I, I was mistreated as a kid. I was mistaught. And a lot of the things that we have been raised in, that our parents or maybe grandparents or maybe aunts and uncles, maybe, you know, they came at us wrong when we were young. Don't carry that into your present with the Lord and with your children or grandchildren. Thank you for joining us today at Lasting Truth Radio. If you're in the area, come out and join us for Sunday services at 10 a.m. or Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. We are located at 3035 West Nicolette Street in Banning. You can also find us on YouTube or Instagram. If you would like to donate to our program, please do so on our website at ccsweethills.org and just hit the online giving tab. We hope you will continue to tune in as we journey through the entire Word of God with the teaching of Pastor Ryan Hussein at Calvary Chapel, Sweet Hills. Chapman, above.